Welcome to Arbor Bridge Church's weekly podcast with your teacher, Daryl Canty. Arbor Bridge Church exists to bridge the gospel and our community by connecting people to Jesus and each other. Visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com. Great job. Uh, I second what John said. Uh, with, uh, if you haven't seen Sean, Sean's words, uh, he did a great job. You should hear him. He was last week. Uh, great job, John. Um, if you missed uh, the first the first week of this, where Bree did 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 a talk, she she did great. Um, if if you know Bree, um, love for you to pray for her. She is sick at home today. Um, I, I've enjoyed having you guys. Uh, the the other people than people other than me get to come and speak and share and say words. Uh, it's just it's always it's always, it's a blessing for me to be able to get to sit and just listen. Um, so uh, if you don't know me, my name is Daryl. I'm the pastor here at our church. Um, I'm grateful to be a part of our worship service today and have a, a few thoughts to share um, before uh, before we get on with our with our day. But um, if you're a member of our church family, I would love for you to invest in our church family. Um, you can do that uh, financially by giving at uh, arborbridgechurch.com forward slash give, or you can give through the mail at 2500 South Main Street. Um, or uh, there's a white box for those of you guys who are here uh, out in our lobby that you can you can also put your investment in. Um, love for you to participate with us, even though it's just only one more week before Christmas. Um, there are other if you didn't get a, weren't able to get a book. Um, there uh, we are reading a book called In the Manger, like John said. Love for you to read along with us this last week. Um, just. I want to prepare our hearts to celebrate the best, best thing that could have ever happened. Jesus Christ coming here to earth. Um, so 2000 years ago, a historian um, that, that Luke mentioned earlier, uh, his name's actually uh, Luke, wrote down a biography of Jesus's life. And one part of Luke's biography tells this story. Uh, Jesus was telling a story, basically, of a father who was, a, who was wealthy. I think he was a wealthy father, and he had two sons. And the younger son of the fathers, he decides to ask his father for his inheritance early, um, and then leaves the home, uh, wastes his part of the inheritance, and then finally comes back home, repenting for what a terrible son he's been. Um, the dad creates this extravagant party to celebrate the, the younger son's uh, return home. When the older son finds out that the dad is celebrating the younger son, he is very angry. Uh, and this is, this is how it goes. The older brother got really angry and refused to come inside. So his father came out and pleaded with him to join the celebration. But he argued back. Listen, all these years I've worked hard for you. I've never disobeyed one of your orders. How many times have you even given me a little goat to roast for a party with my friends? Not once. This is not fair. So. The son of yours comes, this wasteful delinquent who has spent your hard-earned wealth on loose women, and what do you do? You butcher the fattest calf from our herd. The father replied, My son, you are always with me, and all I have is yours. Isn't it right? 
to join in the celebration and be happy. This brother, this is your brother we're talking about. He was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found again. Another version of that, uh, another version of that last verse says, we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Uh, so from this story, we can see that, uh, that celebration is important and celebration is formative. What we celebrate is formative. And what we refuse to celebrate can be formative also. Uh, the older brother is becoming a certain kind of person by saying, I'm not going in there. I refuse to celebrate. I, he, he's this, that son, that person, even he won't even call him his brother, that person, I will not celebrate him. By his refusing to, tell, to celebrate, he's becoming this. Imagine if the older brother finds out that his, old, his younger brother has returned and, and he pushes himself. Even though he's angry, even though he might feel a little bit jealous, he pushes himself to celebrate anyway. Like even if he's not feeling it, even if he's angry, I wonder if participating in the celebration would change his heart. Like, I wonder like if he shows up and he sees all this celebration going on, I wonder if he even though he's angry, makes himself go into the celebration. I wonder if the joy of his father for his younger brother would make him, would soften him. Be like, maybe I should celebrate. I wonder if celebration could change him. And even though it's not in the story, I imagine that after um, asking the older son to celebrate with him, uh, the, the father went back into the celebration. The older brother, he stayed outside and the, young, the, and the dad said, okay, well, do your thing, but I'm going back into the celebration. And after that, the older brother didn't see the father anymore that night. If you wanted to see him, he would have to enter into the celebration. So during this season, one of the things that our leadership envisioned or dreamed about was saying, what if, I, what if we could invite people into a celebration? Would a celebration change them? Like, what if they were outside the celebration and we invited them in, and then just by being a part of the celebration, they, their hearts were softened. Or they, they became different. Um, that's, that's what we were dreaming about. That's what we were wanting to happen. That's what we wanted the Holy Spirit to do something that, you know, obviously none of us could do on our own. We wanted to be inviting you into the celebration of Jesus coming to earth. Um, and so I hope that you, uh, you will participate with us this last week. Um, last, last week we talked about how an angel met with shepherds close to where Jesus was born. Um, and they, the shepherds were invited to come celebrate Jesus. Uh, Luke tells us that those shepherds saw the angels. They saw the glory of God and you would think that would be enough, but they still went, they still went to see Jesus. Um, seeing Jesus, uh, was, was their, was their goal. When they found Jesus in a simple manger, they had to celebrate and praise God. Seeing angels would have been, the, wouldn't have been enough for most of us. That we would have said, okay, well, that's, it's too inconvenient for us to move and go see Jesus. I'm, I'm good. I, I'm guessing it says the shepherds went, but I wonder if any shepherds stayed. If any shepherds are like, yeah, I'm good. I don't need to go see Jesus. 
I'm guessing there were some. But there were some who said, we must see him. We must see him. We must see him. Uh, let me ask you this. Um, what is on your bucket list? Um, love for you to give some thought to that for just a second. What is on your bucket? And, and maybe you, don't, you wouldn't articulate like that on your, just, you don't have, have a bucket list per se, but what, what is on your goal list? I want to get this thing done. What, what's, what's, what's on your list? I'm going to share with you the, uh, the top five bucket list things um, that Americans have on their list. Uh, <clears throat> and, and maybe you, maybe you want to try to try to guess in your mind. So first, number one, uh, the, you could, you could probably figure out is losing weight, uh, getting healthy. Uh, so some of this, you know, obviously is, is good. So don't, don't, don't hear me saying it's not good. Um, number two is go to an exotic place. Uh, take, you know, take an exotic, go on a, to a, do an exotic vacation. Um, number three, achieve a wealth goal. So pay off that or retire or get, you know, save up this amount of money, um, to, 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 to make your first million, whatever. Um, number four, see a natural wonder, uh, Niagara Falls, uh, Grand Canyon, something like that. And then number five, own a home. Uh, and that's a pretty good list. That's a pretty good list. And most of us can relate to at least one, one thing on this list. Um, so, and again, even if you wouldn't say this is your bucket list, maybe this might be one of your goals. And, and, and again, don't get me wrong. Sometimes I think it's really good for pastors to say out loud, I think these are good goals. They're nice. They're good. A few days um, after Jesus is born, Luke, when he, we, when, uh, Luke Waddell, <laughs> for clarity, Luke Waddell read to us today um, about this, this time where Mary and jo- Joseph have to go to Jerusalem. Um, there, there were some laws that, that uh, basically where a Jewish person had to do when a baby was born. And uh, Jesus had to be circumcised or pur- purification laws. In order to do that, Joseph and Mary went to Jerusalem, um, which is like five or six miles from Bethlehem. So while they're in Jerusalem, let me read to you part of what uh, Luke Waddell read at the beginning of our service. It says, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. I wonder if you'd hear this next, next section like a song almost. Um, he says, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and a glory for glory and the glory of your people Israel. I, saw, I mean, that feels like it could be in the Psalms, right? I'll read it again. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the light, in the sight of all nations, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and a glory of your people, Israel. 
The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your soul too. Uh, do you notice, did you, did you see in our, our reading what is on Simeon's bucket list? He's old, so maybe he's got all his other bucket list things done. Or maybe he just doesn't care about them anymore. But from this story, we know that he's got one thing on his bucket list is see Jesus. I've got to see Jesus before I die. And he's intent on it. He's intent on it. He's built his life around it. Uh, and, and, you know, we, we, we build our lives around losing weight or extra exotic trips or uh, buying a house. Um, and, and man, I wonder, I wonder uh, what would happen if I put seeing Jesus above all those things. All those things, they're great, but they just serve me seeing Jesus. Like, and if they don't, then they got to go away. Like, that is my... That is my bucket list goal. That's my goal. I want to see Jesus. When I save and I put a ton of energy into this and that and all those things, it's fine. It is what it is. But what if, what if seeing Jesus was what our health served and our vacation served and our home served and all those things serve that one thing. The Bible teaches this. For everyone, everyone, is this, this is, a, you know, for your Christian, this is offensive, right? Everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. So what that means is what he's saying, this is a guy named Paul who's writing this. He's saying, basically, when we sit down and we write our bucket list, we write this and we write that and we write do and we, we, on our goal list, we say, all of us, everyone does this. You write down your important things. And then if you get around to it, you put Jesus and it. I find that offensive. I find that offensive. And I don't want it to be me. But no matter what I write down, no matter what I write down, it ends up being me. It ends up being true about me. Luke, Luke tells us this guy, Simeon, was different. Different. He built his life around seeing Jesus. He shows up at the temple all the time, waiting, hoping to see Jesus. And Luke, Luke calls Simeon righteous, which is interesting because in the Bible elsewhere, we're told no one's righteous. <laughs> not even one. No one's righteous, not even one. So if that's true, if, so if, if we see in the Bible that no one's righteous, not even one, and then Luke tells us Simeon's righteous, that's to say, huh, what does that mean? Uh, what is he doing that I'm not doing, that everyone else is doing? We talked about this before. He says, Jesus said this. Jesus once said this. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. 
I want to see God. So what does it mean to be pure in heart? Um, some professional Bible scholars think it means like um, those with integrity will see God. Um, you say what's true. You're not a hypocrite. The pure in heart um, means a person with moral courage. Um, they stand up for what's right. Like at the right time, they, they, will, uh, they will stand up and say what's right or they'll do what's right no matter what the pressure is around them. But that's what pure in heart means. Uh, or uh, godly character. Godly character. It means uh, people with pure thoughts. Um, so when you're going down this list, and I'm, I'm looking at like the, the kind of person who's not a hypocrite and um, who you know, stands up and they say the right things at the right times and can't be like bullied into silence or the godly character, uh, the, the pure thoughts. I'm like, and, is that me? <laughs> Do, uh, I want to see God, but is he, if I'm honest, am I most honest? Is that talking about me? If purity of heart only means those things, then I'm not, I don't think I'm going to see God, if I'm honest. We've talked before, though, in our church family that, about the idea of, the, of purity of heart, meaning to will one thing. Purity of heart, meaning this is the thing, this is my bucket list, to will one thing. To will one thing. Not want one thing, because I want all kinds of things, um, if I'm honest. I want all kinds of things. Um, I want to learn Spanish. Um, I want to put on 30 pounds of muscle. Um, I, I, I want to I ha- have a black belt. But what do I will? What do I will? Purity of heart is to will one thing, to decide in one direction over time. It's, it's to wake up and to say... This is what I want. It's willingness to make seeing Jesus the priority that makes Simon righteous. Um, It's it's deciding. So I can't change how I feel about lots of things. There's lots of, there's lots of ways I think that God wants me to feel about this or that, or he would prefer that I didn't want this as much as I do, but I can decide. I can't wake up in the morning and say, this is what I will. Even though I've got all these passions going over, this is what I'm deciding, Jesus Christ, today. And I'm only can decide for today because I can't handle tomorrow. And Jesus tells us, don't worry about tomorrow. We're going to take, we're going we're to do today. To will one thing, to decide in one direction. If you're like me, I don't have all those high-minded purity of heart things, but I can decide. I can decide in one direction. Simeon becomes righteous because he's deciding in that direction. His willingness to make seeing Jesus a priority um, is his desire to see and savor Christ that makes him righteous and devout. So um, he he was never going to become that way by the law. Like when I read that, when I, when I read Luke say something like that, and I'm going down and it says, Simeon's righteous. I, that what my mind assumes or goes to immediately is he's pure and he's good and he's, he's following all the laws and he's done really good and he's very, very disciplined. Luke doesn't mean that. We're told all throughout the Bible, people don't become righteous because they, they, they can follow the law really tightly. The purpose of the law was to help people know what's right and wrong, but is, so, so they could be righteous, but it didn't work. It's an incredible failure. 
In Romans it says this, the law, the written law was made weak by the power of sin. What that means is this, the written law is weak because it tells us what's right, but we can't do it. We can't do it. It tells us what's right and wrong and we we say, oh, we can intend to do it. But God did what was what the written law could not do. He made his son to be like those who live under the power of sin. He made him human. God sent him to be an offering for sin. Jesus suffered God's judgment against our sin. Jesus does for us everything the holy law requires. The power of sin should no longer control the way we live. The Holy Spirit should control the way we live. And then we see this is true. Even before Jesus suffered God's judgment in the life of Simeon. And you go, if we go back, go, remember, remember how we, what we read here? The spirit controlled the way he lived. Said, Luke says this, the spirit was on him. He had been, uh, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. He wouldn't die before, the Lord, before he seen the Lord Messiah. Moved by the spirit, he went into the temple courts. I love, and again, think about this, think about this. So he has the Holy Spirit in a way that, that is different from us. Because this is before Jesus died. This is before Jesus rises from the dead. After that, Jesus sends the Holy Spirit. This is before all that. He's interacting with the Holy Spirit and listening to him and doing what he says. I think that that's, it says something about him. It was his decision to make Jesus his bucket list, the bucket list priority that made it, that made the way for this to happen. That kind of clarity is what is, you know, is decided and eventually happens. It makes way for the spirit. It makes way for the spirit to do things that we can't do. So it was such a priority for him that he says, you know, when he sees Jesus, he says, okay, take me. I'm good. I think it's really interesting. Most of us wouldn't, are not okay with that. Like, if we see Jesus, we're like, okay, take me, Jesus. We're like, well, I mean, I got a couple things I want to, I'd like to get married, or I'd like to see my grandkids, or I'd like to do, but Simeon says, I'm out of here. I've seen Jesus. I'm ready to go now. Check. That's, I I did what he, everything I need to do here on this life. I want that. I want that. I want to be able to pray, Lord, whatever is best, if you want me here, let me be here. If you want me gone, if, if people would come to know you better, if I was out of here, take me out of here. I want that. I love that he sees Jesus and he's, I want that for us and not necessarily with feelings. We, we, we can't control those. I want us to want to see him with our decisions, with the way that we decide, the way, the thing that we will, the, the, the spirit can make the emotions come. We're not in control of those, but we decide in one direction. We decide in one direction and it is Jesus every day, all the time that we decide in that direction, no matter what it costs us. And when, when, when Simeon sees Jesus, he celebrates. Simeon, uh, was, was, clearly, he wasn't all this, uh, always this way in his life. He just started off making decisions one by one in the direction of Christ. 
and despite his emotions. And, and, and clearly, we all know, you, you guys all know this, emotions don't trump everything, but they're good. Simeon is full of joy on seeing Jesus. And, and so sometimes one of the things I think about with myself is, would I be that excited? Would I be that amped up if I actually see Jesus? Am I going to be excited to see him? The way that that happens is just deciding in direction, willing. This is what I will. Jesus Christ. And then the Spirit can speak to me and guide me. I love that Simeon is looking for Jesus. And he's open to the Spirit directing him. And certainly, if he was not open, if he didn't take the time to listen to the Spirit, he would have missed Jesus. There's no... Joseph and Mary are there for this hot minute and Simeon happens to be there. He says, and I love that he sees Jesus as a reason to celebrate. Clearly, we're not going to see Jesus like Simeon did. We're not going to see him in, in the flesh like that. So how do we see him? What do we do? Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. So we are promised, we are promised We are promised that if we learn to will one thing, if we are willing to get up and decide in one direction that we will see Jesus, we will see God. That means we repent from whatever distracts us from him and set our decisions on him. Repent from whatever distracts us from him. From him and set our decisions. And when I, when, I, when I say repent, I just mean turn around. Um, I mean, change your mind. Um, heaven celebrates when we're, when we're willing to do this. When we, when we show up here and we're saying, man, I'm, I'm willing to repent, God, whatever you want. Heaven has a celebration when we are willing to do that. Jesus once said this. He says, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. I think there's several ways to look at this verse, but let me ask you this. Who does it need to repent? When I read this verse, I'm like, well, you know, good for me. I don't need to repent. Like the older brother, right? In the, in the lost son story, he doesn't need to repent, does he? When he shows up at the celebration, he's got no room to, he, he doesn't need to, the younger brother, he's the one that needs to repent. What if, what if when I walk into the room, I, I assume that there's always something. There's always something that, that God needs to change my mind about. That, that when I walk into a room, maybe I'm wrong about this, that I'm willing to say that to myself. Maybe I'm wrong about whatever. There's something that he needs to change me about. And the rest of the story of the lost son, the older brother's mad um, because he thought he didn't have anything to repent of. Of course he did. He's being a butt. And he could not see the father. As long as he's sitting outside, mad outside the party, he could not see the father. But if he was willing to repent, if he was willing to change his mind, and again, obviously, you guys all, we all know this. When you're in that moment where you're like, he's so, uh, younger brother, I hate that guy. It is 
so hard to repent of that and change your mind and get out of yourself and be like, maybe I'm the one that needs to repent and walk into that party. It is so hard. It is so hard. But what Jesus is saying here is if you are willing, if we're willing to repent, we're going to see him. We're going to see him. Just because, uh, just because we see others who seem to have done more wrong than us doesn't mean that uh, we don't need to repent. And, and, and think of, and also, so younger sons. As long as the younger son was gone, he didn't see the father. Uh, he didn't see the father when he had loving feelings toward the father. Like, think of, think of this. When the younger son is gone and he's out wasting his father's money, if someone walked up to him and says, hey, uh, do you love your father? He said, oh, yeah. What kind of question is that? Of course I love my father. Loving feelings toward his father wasn't going to help him see his father. Feeling bad about what his, wasting his father's money, that wasn't going to help him see his father. Saying, oops, I was wrong. That wasn't going to help him see. What was going to help him see his father was saying, I was wrong. I need to change my mind. I need to repent. I need to go in a different direction. I need to decide to will one thing to go in a certain specific direction. I want to see my dad. I've got to get up and I've got to move. I've got to do something. Feeling bad is not enough. Loving the father is not enough to, to decide to repent, to decide in a direction. That... That is purity of heart. He saw the father um, when he repented and when he changed his mind and we turned around. And there is something that the spirit needs to change my mind about <laughs> today. No amens to that one? I, I was afraid to be like, yes, he does. There's something that the spirit needs to change your mind about today. You are fighting him. You always done things your way. You always done things this way in your life. You're afraid of what will happen if you follow the spirit. You're just tired. (laughs) Tired of being the one who always has to do things right. But let me tell you this. We're not going to see Jesus like that. That kind of. (laughs) We're not going to see Jesus like that. I want to see him in my life powerfully. That happens when I will one thing. When I decide in a direction. And I'm willing to change my mind. Repent in that same direction. The spirit should control the way we live, control the way I live. This is why Simeon gets to see God. And like, like I said, Simeon didn't have the Holy Spirit the way we do. So we, in a way, we have an advantage over him that he did not have. We have the Holy Spirit in us because of Jesus Christ's death and resurrection. In a way, the kind of, the kind of access to the righteousness that Simeon had, we have something better. We have something better. And even though Simeon got to see Jesus in the flesh before he died, we get to see him in a better way that he knows nothing about. 
we get to see, we can see Christ in a way that's so full and final. He's seen him at the birth. We seen the whole thing. Here's where it begins. Repentance. You and I need to repent and change our lives, change our minds, change the direction of our life. And, and so, you know, for some of you, it's a specific aspect, a specific area of your life. What is it? So God's been bothering you about it probably already. What is the specific area? And then for others of you who have never given your life to Christ, it, it is a whole way of life for you that you, a determination that this life is not for you, not your own. You, we've talked before about, we always, we decide who owns things based on a couple ideas, who bought it or who made it. In regards to your life, who bought it and who made it? So as we're preparing to take communion together in just a few minutes, let me ask you during this time of communion to repent. Uh, and that's, that's, a, that's a churchy word, a religious word um, that often carries a lot of guilt with it. Um, and and I just, I, what I, would, I wonder is if we could just take away any guilt that's attached to it and just make it decision-based. Just, uh, guilt is only helpful in getting us to, to make decisions towards in God's direction. And then it's, it's useless after that. No guilt, just God. Where do I need to change my direction? Where do I need to change my mind? That's, that's, this is what communion is all about, where we, we spend our week away from the Lord, um, do, doing, doing things and doing our lives. But it, it's a reminder where, man, I got to come back. This is, this is where I want to be, to will to be, not just Sunday, but every day to, 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 to make. Let me challenge you to do that as we take communion, to, to repent. Where do, you, where do you need to change your mind? What, repent of your habit of pursuing your, the things on your bucket list or goal list or whatever harder than you've ever pursued seeing Christ. And tell the Spirit, I want to see Jesus. I will it. I will that above everything else. Let me pray for you um, before, we, uh, before we take communion together. And then uh, your house is going to lead us in a song that... Uh, I want you to hear. Dear Father, I, uh, I will speak for, for us. And, and if, if there are others in the room, um, this doesn't apply to you. Uh, just apply your own specifics. But Father, I am so, I get so stuck in doing things my way. And I don't know how to get out of it. But I want to will one thing. I want to will one thing. And that's seeing Jesus. And so I pray that you would help me know how to change my mind. And move in your direction. It is not by... Uh, not by me being really good and following rules really well that I'm going to see you. And that's, it's not those things that make me pure in heart. It is the decision to will one thing and to be open with my life moving in that direction, following the Holy Spirit above everything else.
Help us collectively as a church to do that. Whatever it costs. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information on our church, visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com. Thank you.